not there, uh, which is a new one that's not been there before, which has got um, the Zoom details on. Now, what we do, Jackie, Jackie um, kind of uh, heads this up, pioneers this, put, moves this forward. We've got, we do pray over Zoom. And the reason we still, we've kept it on Zoom is because from these shores, which is the ministry that we, 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 we're worth, um, our focus is the whole nation. So we're not just a local church. I do meetings everywhere. I've got meetings in the Midlands, um, Dudley, Coventry. And in fact, at the end of this month, we're starting in Southport as well. We're starting the Saturday um, mornings on, uh, yeah, Saturdays on, in Southport on the 29th. Um, so because we've got people all over the nation, we pray on Zoom as a group, and people are welcome to join us. The times and the Zoom numbers are on that little card there as well. And then there's also a little thing if you want to be on the mailing list just to be kept up to date with meetings. Uh, is there anything else that I have to announce, anyone, before I get going? Okay. And I'm assuming now we're all good on the... On the okay. Good. All right. Sorry? Let's roll. Let's get to the word. Amen. How many of you are ready to receive this morning? How many of you are ready to, to hear whatever God has to say through his word? That's what we want. Let's go. Let's, let's see. Mark chapter 9. Now, we, I've been on these Saturday mornings, and I've just kept this rolling for a few months. We've been focusing on the miraculous and the power of God. Um, now, how, how many of you understand this? Two things. First of all, faith comes by hearing the word. Yeah. So, uh, if you want to build people's faith and expectation for something, you start to teach about it. Now, in this country, we've not seen as much of the miraculous and the manifestation of the power of God as we should and as we could. Uh, how many of you understand that a lot more could be happening than, than is happening? And, and, and now, you go, back, you go back a few decades, you'll you find some incredible ministries where they, they had the manifestation of the miraculous. But for a, a good generation or so, we've had a lot less in the UK. Now, you might hear about things happening in other countries and other places, but, but it's been a bit of a famine of, of the miraculous here. Now, we've, we've had other things. It's, it's not that God's done no, uh, there's been nothing happening. But I do believe that God wants to stir up this area. Do you, do you realize we live in a day where God wants to manifest in all different ways, uh, through, through speaking, the prophetic, the vocal things, but also manifestations of power. Now, there's some people that will tell you the power of God doesn't happen these days. Well, I don't believe that. I do not believe that for one moment. Uh, I do not believe that the Bible, Bible shows that these things stopped. Now, I know there's some scriptures people use. And if people have questions about that and say, oh, what about this scripture that says that these things are going to stop? Well, then come talk to me afterwards and we'll look at those scriptures and you'll see it's got nothing to do with what people are claiming it, it has to do with. Uh, it, it, it hasn't stopped yet. Okay? And God still, in fact, we, we, God, I believe God wants to do more. I, I, I believe God goes from glory to glory. I believe there's a greater manifestation of the glory of God that, God that God had. And let me say this as well. We are living in one of the most vital, most important days in history in terms of the things of God. More and more people are beginning to realize this. They're beginning to hear the Spirit of God is speaking and saying, and, and, and people in their hearts are beginning to hear. You know, the Bible says, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. 
And, 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 and we, we, God gave us the Holy Spirit to show us some things. He, one of the reasons the Holy Spirit is to teach us the Word, but He also shows us some things to come, shows us what's happening, what God is doing. Do you realize that, 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 that when God begins to do things, when God begins to move, uh, or, or, or let me say this, very often just before God begins to move, He often begins to speak and say some things and, and speak some things to His people. Very often, God moves vocally before He moves in manifestation. And people don't realize that. You know, even, even when, with Moses. Now, Moses is, <laughs> in, in the Bible, is one of the, one of the incredible examples of miraculous ministry. You know, when you think in terms of, 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 of the ones who really stand out with the miraculous in the Bible, you've got, obviously, Jesus, but then going into the Old Testament, you've got Elijah, Elisha, and you've got Moses. Those are the ones who probably stand out in terms of the miraculous, Yeah. Uh, and there's others as well. But, you know, even Moses, Moses did not just walk into Pharaoh's court and start doing miracles. Do you realize that? How, how, did, how did Moses first deal with, with Pharaoh? Verbally. He went in and, and, and he told him what God had said, let my people go. There was no manifestation of the miraculous. Pharaoh was given an opportunity to respond to what God was saying. And, 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 and then Pharaoh hardened his heart and, and, and made it harder. This is when he, he remember, the, the, Egyptian, the, the, the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians. And, um, and what did Pharaoh do? He, he, he said, what? We're going to make it harder. And they, gave, they, they increased their daily quota and whatever, made the workload harder. That was before there was any manifestation of the power of God. So, so God, God dealt with Moses. Uh, uh, sorry, God dealt through Moses with Pharaoh verbally first, and, and then the manifestation of the power came. Now, this is very often how it happens, and even with the people of God, 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 you know, who, 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 who did Jesus say was you know the greatest, the greatest prophet born among men? John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist came in the ministry on the spirit of who? Elijah. Yes? Now, I've already mentioned Elijah this morning. Elijah um, Elijah is one of the, the, the ministries we relate to is a, where there was a manifestation of power. I mean, calling down fire from heaven. And we, we've talked about this in recent months. Don't worry if you've missed the, some of the previous ones. I don't necessarily run it as a series. We, each one is, is, is focused for that weekend but some of them are available on YouTube, on, on YouTube. But Elijah's ministry, I mean, calling down fire, my word. Well, the, some of the, we've talked about this, but some of the miraculous in the Bible is so foreign to us. We read it in the Bible like, yes, it happened, like, woo that's nice. But to relate to it happening today is very foreign to us. And this is, in, the, in some of the previous sessions, I've described some of the miracles that happened. Can you imagine fire just from heaven right in front of your eyes in the natural realm? I'm not just talking about a lightning bolt. The, 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 a very localized fire just hitting that altar like that at the call of Elijah. This is the kind of realm that people in the Bible walked in. Moses stretching his rod out of the sea. How many, how many of you like to go and stand on the cliffs of Dover and just watch it split? Like, not, not the cliffs, the water. Like, just begin to split and a path all the way to, I was going to say, you know, it's France, isn't it, from, from Dover? Yeah. <laughs> okay. How many of you like to just be able to, I'm like, whoa. We don't relate to that kind of miracle, do we? 
it, it's like we know it's in the Bible, but a lot of times it's not real to us that we serve a God who can and does these things. It, it's, we've almost distanced and separated from the reality that these things can happen. You know, turning water into wine, I talked about this as well a little bit. That, 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 that is the, 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 the chemical substance of water, H2O, changed into something else. Wine, as far as I know, I, try, I was trying to look up the chemical structure, but every wine is different. But, you know, wine has carbon elements in it. Well, how do you turn H2O, you know, these days we know more about the chemicals and stuff. H2O has no C in it, yeah, no carbon. There was a creative miracle that happened there. He didn't just change what was already there. New substances began to get created with that miracle. Changed the very substance of that thing. Can God change the material substance of something? What about when Moses threw down his rod? It's got its wood in one moment. The next moment, it's a living organism. <clears throat> and then shortly after that, it's wood again. Water out of a rock. <laughs> People say, oh, you know, we don't know what we don't know, we don't know what we're gonna do. There's food shortages. I'm like, God's not forgotten how to change the substance of things. This is this is the God we serve. Do you believe that? Yeah. Is he capable of these things? Can 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 God use birds to bring you your groceries? You know, why not? But you see, our minds often can't comprehend the kind of God. Yes, we know he can do this, but it's not real to us. This is why we're doing this over and over again, this course, because these things need to become more real to us in our expectation of what God is capable of doing. This is why so often we're more afraid of what the enemy can do than what God can do. Is that true? <clears throat> you see, so, so we've spent time about this, and, and, and I know there's some new people here, but those of you who've already been here before, it's good to just stir this up again, and what God is capable of doing. We've described some of the, 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 the miracles. I mean, Jesus, when he ascended up into heaven, how'd you like to watch that? I've always wondered, did he go slow or did he go fast? Was it like, I mean, what happened? He, they're just talking to him one minute, and suddenly he just begins to lift off the ground. It, it, this actually happened, you know, this isn't a fiction story. Yeah? Do you realize this actually happened? It literally happened. <laughs> he just begins to lift off the ground. And I, he didn't just, I'm not just talking some kind of weird levitation thing. He, he doesn't just lift two, two feet off. He just, the Bible says he, all the way up into the clouds. This is what I've wondered. Did he, did, was it slow? Was it like, <laughs> I don't know. That's one of the questions I, I'll ask God one day. <laughs> how, how would you like to? How do you like to see that happen? And then, 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 then Jesus ascends into heaven. They're watching him go up into the clouds, and and suddenly the Bible says, and two men stood with them. There's two extra people there. Where'd you come from? <laughs> they just just appeared out of nowhere. You, you look all over the Bible. This 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 is in the Bible, isn't it? But a lot of times these are not real to us. This is why even repetition. So faith comes by hearing, hearing what? The word. 
We need to talk about these things more. We need to teach on them more. We need to look at them more and build our faith and expectation of what God is capable of doing and what can happen. See, when Jesus went to his own hometown, the Bible says, the Bible in Mark chapter 6, the Bible says he could do no mighty works. And, and, and then it says he marveled at what? The lack of faith or their unbelief. Same thing. Their unbelief. And then it says this. So, so, well, let, let's put it this way. One step at a time. Sometimes I rush. He marveled because of their unbelief. Does it say he marveled because God just wasn't doing miracles that day? Does it say he marveled and said, Lord, it obviously wasn't your will? Does, he, does Jesus marvel because, because of the lack of the miraculous and the manifestation of God? Does Jesus marvel at something about God or something about them? Now, do you understand Jesus knew what he was talking about? Jesus understood something. Jesus is the word of God. But he doesn't, he doesn't stand back and say, well, you know, obviously the Lord isn't doing it today. Instead, he, he looks, he says, he marvels because of something in them. Now, what was it in them that he marveled at? Say it again. Unbelief, lack of faith. So that makes me begin to wonder this, and I believe this is proven out through the word in other places. Low manifestations of the miraculous, low manifestations of the power of God, because there weren't many happening, were there? Low manifestations, and then you see low faith levels. Is there a connection? So what does Jesus then do? Sorry? Actually, he did something else before he went somewhere else. What do, when he says he marveled because of their unbelief, then what, what does the Bible say? Speak up. Speak. You, guys can, you guys can respond to me. Come on, you guys know. Speak up. Put some power in it so everyone at the back can hear you. Sorry? Healed a few, but then what did he do after he marveled at their unbelief? He went about the villages teaching. And, and you said, yes, he went somewhere else. But actually, when you look at it, it's, the Bible uses the word in a circuit or in a circle. It's in the original language. So it's not, he didn't just go to the other, it's the other side of the country right away. It says he went around the villages in a circuit. And what's a circuit? Round and round and round. Doing what? Teaching. Why? What, what would Jesus be teaching? <laughs> the word of God. So he marvels at their unbelief. So what does he do? He begins to go round and round and round that whole area, saturating it in teaching. Why? To raise the faith level up. He began to speak some things. Why? Low manifestations because of low faith levels. And the solution was to begin to teach the word, begin to build the faith levels up. To increase the expectation. Now, did the faith levels go up? Well, if you begin to look through Jesus' ministry, yes, because you see people coming and Jesus says they were in faith. <clears throat> so, you see, this, this is why this is neat. If we want, we want greater manifestations, we want more of the manifestation of the Spirit of God, there's various factors. One, we need more of the Spirit of God, 
And that's one factor. We want to be walking full of the Spirit, having this, the flow of the Spirit in our lives. But we also want teaching to raise our faith levels in what God can do. And this is why these factors have got to work together. Faith and the Spirit, or the Word and the Spirit. If you're, if for, for those of you who were with us last time, we looked in Acts chapter 6 at the man called Stephen. Anyone remember Stephen? If you weren't sure, you can, you can just check yourself in Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, Stephen, the Bible says he was full of faith and full of the Spirit. That, that's some good qualities right there. And then it talks about how great miracles, great manifestations, and it uses the word great, great as mega miracles happen through him. I wonder if there's a connection between the fact that he was full of faith and full of the Spirit, and the miraculous began to manifest through his life. That passage emphasizes over and over again, he was full, he was full, he was full, he was full. It repeats it over in that passage. God, God does not repeat things in his word for no purpose. Especially in the same chapter, keep saying it over and over again. So we need, we need to understand some things about both of this. The flow of the Spirit through our lives. But we also need to understand raising up our faith levels through teaching of the word. So you realize there's quite a lot of things we need to really raise up our understanding about. At the moment, I'm fo focusing on the, on the faith side of it a little bit. We'll do some teaching on the, 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 the things of the Spirit as well at, at some point. But, you know, I was, I was looking in the Word. Someone, someone tell me, yeah, let's have a little bit of audience participation again. Jesus' disciples, or, or, or approximately, approximately how long, does anyone know how long Jesus' ministry was on this earth? Somewhere around the three to three and a half, you know, depending on exactly how people add it up. So Jesus' disciples were with him approximately three to three and a half years. Yeah? Now, obviously, they might not be from day one, but a lot of them were from quite early on. Now, though Jesus' disciples, so you've got people like Peter, James, John. You've got the, the 12, yeah? And there's more than just the 12. You understand there were times there were 70 there were bigger crowds at times. By, by the start of the book of Acts, you got 120 that actually were still hanging around. It's just a side thought. I mean, three and a half years of ministry, and all that pitch up is 120 people. What happened to the 5,000? Yeah. Who, who, who got the food? Do, do you realize that often the big crowd are not as connected in with some things. The ones who showed up on the day of Pentecost, that 120 were the, were, were, were the, was the core group who were really committed and stuck to some things. It's not always about the big numbers. Uh, yes, God wants to reach the multitude, but, but Jesus, knew, Jesus knew and understood that out of that 5,000, many of them are probably going to just get their bread, get what they wanted, and go along their merry way and probably never show up again. But it's the core group that mattered. Anyway, that's just a sad thought. But what I was going to say, three and a half years with Jesus. Now, they watched Jesus minister, didn't they? They, they saw the, man, the miraculous manifest through Jesus. Now, Jesus, we've talked about this as well, a little bit. Some of these things we need to talk more about. But Jesus, who, who was Jesus, by the way, besides the word of God? 
Okay, the Son of God. Anyone? Who, who else was he? Messiah. Messiah. That's the one I'm looking for. Now, what does Messiah mean? Anyone know what Messiah means? Anointed. The word anointed comes, uh, the word Messiah comes from the, the Hebrew, which means uh, it's either oil or anoint, but it's the, basically that's what it means. It's the same word used when it talked about them anointing Aaron and anointing some of the others with oil. Why did they call him the anointed? Because you've got scriptures like Isaiah, which Jesus himself quoted, which said, which they knew was prophetic, which said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So they were looking for someone that the Spirit of the Lord was upon. And, and that became known as the Messiah. Does anyone know what the word Christ means? It's the Greek word for Messiah. Hebrew is Messiah, Greek is Christ. So what does Christ mean? Same thing, anointed. See, Christ is not Jesus' last name. If you look earlier on in Acts, they called him the Christ. And as church history moved on, they dropped the article there and it just became Jesus Christ. And you'll see passages in the, in, at the start of Acts where it says they preached the Christ. In other words, they preached the anointed one. The one that the Spirit of the Lord was upon. When, when, when Peter came to Jesus and Jesus said, who am I? Well, who did men say that I am? And they said, some say, you know, one of the prophets, Elijah, well, whoever else. And then Jesus said, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. Jesus didn't say, yeah, Peter, we all know that's my last name. No, it wasn't his last name. It was a title. The Christ. It's not a name, it's a title. The anointed one, the one that the Spirit of the Lord is upon. Okay? So, the dis I know I'm, I've got a lot of threads going in different directions. I'm coming back to some things I said earlier in a minute. But it's important we begin to understand some things here. He is the Christ. And in fact, when, when John the Baptist was in prison... I'm going to start another thread. I'm going to try and remember all the ones I've started. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for help. When, when John the Baptist was in prison, and remember, Jesus, John the Baptist had said, there, that's the one, the Lamb of God. And then he said that under the anointing, and then, you know, little he, he's a natural human being too. He's later in prison, and he begins to think, did I get it right? Did I speak it? Did I say the right thing? How many of you ever said something that God showed you, and then afterwards you begin to think, did I say it right? because your natural head kicks in. And he's sitting there in prison, and he begins to wonder, did I get it right? So he sends some of his disciples to Jesus and says to them, are you the one? I'm paraphrasing, but this is what happened. Now, Jesus turned to those disciples. Does anyone know what he said to them? Go and tell them what you've seen. Now, what, specifically what about what you've seen? The blind eyes have been opened. In other words, the power of God's manifesting. Why? Why was that important? Because 
the manifestation of the Spirit through the, of the miraculous through him pointed to who he was as the Christ, the anointed one. Because they understood in the old covenant that when the Spirit of the Lord was upon someone, these things happened. God had given them a whole old covenant full of examples that when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon someone, manifestations would happen as one of the things. Yeah? So that was how Jesus answered John the Baptist's question. Who are you? Well, go look at what's happening through me. That'll tell you who I am. Why did the woman with the issue of blood want to touch Jesus' garment? I've covered this before for some of you, but does anyone remember? Why? How many of you remember the woman with the issue of blood? She said, if I, must, if I can just press through the crowd and touch his garment. Why? Why did she have confidence, faith, that if she, if she came into contact with his clothing, she'd get a miracle? Does anyone know why? Yeah, but why? What did his clothing have to do with it? In the Old Covenant, the prophet's mantle, his coat, represented his anointing. Remember when Elijah went up to heaven and Elisha had said, I want a double portion, that coat, that mantle came down, he picked up the, the mantle, struck the river Jordan and said, where is the God of Elijah? It's not just a clothing, he expected that, that that mantle was the anointing. In fact, that's even how Elijah called Elisha into ministry. When they first met, Elisha was plowing oxen, his family business. Elijah walked past him, didn't say a word, and threw his coat over him and kept walking. Now, if someone walks up to you in the street, someone you don't know, and throws their jacket over you, <laughs> you say, hey, hey, come here, you, you, what are you doing throwing things at me? <laughs> well, we're good Christians, so we don't respond like that, yeah? But you understand. She was, Elijah didn't say a word to him. He just walked past him, throws his jacket over him, and walks past. And Elisha runs after him, and he knew exactly what Elijah was, was communicating to him. He said, well, first let me go back and, you know, deal with the oxen, or whatever he said. But he understood what was Elijah saying. The anointing upon me is coming upon you. My mantle, my anointing is coming upon your life. That's what that communicated. Because Elisha understood the, the clothing represented the anointing. So in the Old Covenant, the clothing represented the anointing. That's why that woman with the issue of blood had confidence, if I come into contact with the anointing upon his life, I'll be healed. That's what Jesus said, your faith made you whole. Her faith in what? Her faith in the fact that he was anointed, or the anointed one. She believed that anointing was upon his life, and when she touched it, it would activate in her life when she came into contact with it. So, Let's start filling some of the threads because I've jumped around a little bit. So, so Jesus' disciples watched Jesus for three and a half years. Do you remember I said that point a bit earlier? Peter, James, and John. And they're observing 
The anointing manifesting through Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord manifesting through Jesus. But during that three and a half years, what did Jesus train them in a lot? Did Jesus talk to them a lot about the Holy Spirit coming upon their life? Through his ministry. Actually, a lot of his talking about the Holy Spirit was toward the end. John 14, 15, and 16. That's just before he's about to go onto the cross. After three and a half years, he then starts to talk about the Holy Spirit coming into their lives. Okay? There might be a little bit of it elsewhere. There's John 7 where he talks about rivers coming out of you. But actually, a large amount of his training during the three and a half years before teaching them about the Holy Spirit coming onto their life was to train them in faith. A large amount of it. He trains them about their faith levels and some things. Peter walks on the, on the water. Jesus walks on the water. Peter walks on the water a little bit too, begins to sing. Jesus gets him back to the boat. And, and Jesus doesn't say to him, well, Peter, you just weren't anointed today. What does he say to him? Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why is Jesus training them in their faith if it was all just about the anointing? Why did Jesus put three and a half years training them in their faith levels, training them how to, how to have faith in God? We looked at this a little bit last time. Did Jesus, Jesus curse the fig tree? Remember? Speaks to the fig tree. What happened to the fig tree? Pretty quickly as well, yeah? Depending on exactly how you look at the different versions, certainly within maybe 12 to 24 hours, but within a day, maximum. Pretty quickly. It didn't take six months. Do you know the power of God doesn't take years and years and years to manifest? We, it, it can happen like that. We don't have a lot of confidence or expectation in the power of God manifesting quick like that. And we, we need to raise up our faith levels that God can do things very fast. It doesn't take a long time. We have a lot of faith in waiting, not a lot of faith in things manifesting. Okay? <laughs> We've covered that a little bit as well. But Jesus spent a lot of time training his disciples. Okay, so, so he curses the fig tree, and, and then the disciples come to him and say to him, Master, the fig tree you cursed has died. They're like, whoa. What does Jesus then turn around and say to them? Anyone know? He, he says, he starts to talk to them about their faith, and he talks to them about you speaking to the mountain. What's he doing to his disciples? He's training them in how the miraculous can begin to manifest through their life. They're observing it in him, and then he's teaching them the principles. But what principles does he often teach them? Faith. And then he begins, and then later on, he, yes, he says some things about the Holy Spirit, but later on, after he's trained them a lot in their faith levels, he then begins to show them, now the Holy Spirit, the anointing's coming upon you too. You combine those two factors. Faith and the Holy Spirit upon someone's life. Jesus said to them, I heard someone say, when someone, a, ministry, a minister say this, he's talking about how 
You know, when Jesus came to his disciples and said to them, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to come and live on the inside of you. He'll dwell with you in John 14, 15, and 16. I heard some ministers say this. Well, the disciples were like, whoa, who's this Holy Spirit? Like, no. They knew who the Holy Spirit was. They've been watching the Spirit manifest through the anointed one, the one that the Spirit of the Lord is upon. It wasn't a mystery to them. What was new to them was when Jesus said, the same Holy Spirit's coming upon you now. Why? For what purpose? So that you can have goose pimples in church? <laughs> what was the purpose of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus? Well, did Jesus train his disciples to expect and believe that miracles will happen through them? I covered this a little bit last time, but when, 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 when Jesus was walking on the water, like you do, <laughs> anyone done that one recently? <laughs> we shouldn't laugh because we should expect these things. But Jesus is out walking on the water. Now remember, his disciples, some of them were fishermen. Fishermen get superstitious. Anyone ever, ever mixed a lot with super? This is where all the, the ghost stories come from. It's all the, 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 you know, the, 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 the fishermen and all that, yeah? They're very superstitious. You go back through history. There's always been a lot of superstition around oceans. So here they are on a stormy night. It's in the middle of the night. It's stormy. Fishermen, rain, clouds, dark, probably maybe, I don't know, maybe some thunder and lightning, but certainly wind. The last thing they know, Jesus was on the, on, on, the side of the, on, on the side of the boat. Had they ever heard about walking on water up until this point? It's new to them. They've never seen someone walk on water. And suddenly this figure comes walking across the water. Uh, it's totally understandable that they thought, ah, oh, it's a ghost. Did they, were they really expecting that to be Jesus? No. They're terrified. They, how do you like to be out in a boat on a dark night and you see a figure walking across the water? <laughs> I can totally understand them going, ah! <clears throat> Do you realize many, many of the miracles in the Bible were first-time miracles? And we read them these days like, like oh, yes, you know, that, I can totally understand how Mary said, oh, be it unto me as you've said, Lord, you know? But you know, when, when the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a baby, She'd never heard about a virgin. I mean, except, okay, it was prophesied, but apart from the prophet, she, she, she had no precedence of that happening. She'd never seen that happen before. Yeah. Many of the miracles, they were firsts. People, you know, when, when God came to Abraham and Sarah and said, you're going to have a child, did they have a Bible they could go and look at to build their faith in, in God giving barren women and barren you know, couples who can't have children to build their faith for that. Did they have a precedent? Could, had they heard about lots of people being healed before and, and having babies? No. That was new to them. People say, well, you know, you know, God, you know God, I, I've never seen anyone healed, so I can't really believe in healing. There's your problem. There's your problem right there. You want to see it. You, you, you want some kind of precedent. Many of the miracles, when God came to Abraham and Sarah, they'd never heard about, about, about barren women or fat couple having, not having a child, suddenly having a baby. That was new to them. 
Mary, that was brand new to them, to her. Joseph, that was brand new. Walking on the water, that was new to them. They hadn't seen that before. Now, here comes Jesus walking on the water. And, and, and what does Peter say to Jesus? If it's you, let me come out. Or tell me to come out too. Really? You see, this, 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 is, this is where we read our Bible without really thinking. How many of you, that would seriously be your first question? You're out on a boat in the middle of the night and you see a ghost walking across the water. How many of you would say, tell me to come out there with you? <laughs> Most of you would go, well, if it's really you, tell me my middle name because only you know my middle name. <laughs> you, you would ask something kind of reasonable and normal, wouldn't you? If it's really you, come a little bit closer so we can recognize you. But what does Peter ask for? He asks for participation in the miraculous. That's not, what, that's not the normal thing to, to respond to like that. What made Peter think he could have the cheek to ask such a thing? Okay, but what, what made people, you know, these days people, oh, you can't ask God to do that. If the Lord wants to do it, he'll do it. Isn't that what gets trained into us a lot of times? No, don't ask that, don't ask too big. Did Jesus have a problem with Peter asking for participation in the miraculous? No. Jesus didn't say, oh, Peter, how dare you? You've been with me this long and you still haven't learned you don't ask those kind of questions. No, because actually Jesus encouraged them to be like that. Jesus created an environment around him with his disciples where they expected and believed, one, these things could happen, but two, Jesus also trained them to expect it to happen in their lives. Didn't he? What kind of environment were Jesus' disciples raised in? I don't mean raised from kids, but raised in ministry in. How many of you remember the time John, John, J James and John came to Jesus and uh, one of the villagers had rejected Jesus and they, James and John said, we'll call down fire just like Elijah did. Now we read that and think, bad, bad James and John, because Jesus told them off afterwards. He didn't tell them off because they had confidence in the miraculous, he told them off because their motives were wrong. Yes. They wanted to use it to destructively. But what made James and John even think they could ask something like that? I mean, that, that, that's not your normal request. Well, I was preaching the gospel to the street, on the street to someone and they rejected Jesus and some guy goes, where are they? I'm going to tell God to call down fire on them. <laughs> That's not the normal way people respond, is it? <laughs> what made James and John even think they could 
operate in that kind of miraculous like Elijah did. You got Peter expecting to, to participate in the miraculous and walk on water. You got James and John thinking they can call fire down from heaven. Let's add them fire, fire, fire. Come on. What's going on with Jesus' disciples here? Jesus created an environment where he raised his disciples up and trained them to expect these things. And not just through him, through them. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, he goes to his disciples and said, I cursed a fig tree, you'll curse a blade of grass. Is that what he said? I cursed a fig tree. On a good day, you might curse a rose bush. What did Jesus say to his disciples? I cursed a fig tree. You'll speak to? Did Jesus decrease it or expand? He expanded it. He stretched them. I cursed a fig tree. You'll do a mountain. What's, what's going on with, with Jesus in the way he's training his disciples here? He's training them to begin to expect big things. And not just that, he's training them to believe it'll happen through them. Did Jesus say things like, ask anything and it'll be done for you? Was, was Jesus, did Jesus hold back? And say, oh, no, 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 you mustn't ask for things. Isn't that different to how we preach it these days? These days, we, 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 a lot of people are trying to train everybody to hold them back. Don't ask too big. Don't expect too big. Hold on a second. Aren't we supposed to be functioning like Jesus? Aren't we supposed to do things the way he did them? Did Jesus create an environment around his disciples where he built into them a belief, God will move through you. Expect big things. And then he comes to them toward the end of his ministry and he says this, you'll do greater works than I did. Why did Peter, James, and John think, why did they have the cheek to expect they could participate in the miraculous? Because that's the environment Jesus created around them. He, three and a half years, he trained them, he trained them, he trained them in faith. When they missed it, he trained them, he showed them. And then toward the end of his ministry, he now says, the same Holy Spirit upon me is coming upon you. You'll be clothed with power, as Luke describes it. In Jude, clothed. That word clothed, why? Because in their mind, the clothing represented the anointing. It's the same word clothed used for clothing all over the New Testament, in the Greek. You will be clothed or endued with power. Or the way in Acts 1 it says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So he trains them in the word for three and a half years, and then he says, right now, guys, it's time to release you. Now the anointing's coming upon you. You see the two factors. The Spirit and the training of the Word. Trains them in this total expectation. Why do you think from the moment the Holy Spirit comes upon them and acts too, miracles, 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 miracles just start to happen through these people? Was it just because of the Spirit upon them? Or was it because the way Jesus had trained them to think big and expect big? 
It's both factors. Many people think it's all up to the spirit. While we have our tiny little low expectation thinking. No. This is where we, this is where we need to change. This is where we need to realize. See, the enemy has brought into the church a limited thinking. He's tried to cap our thinking. Let me, let me ask you this. If both of these factors are involved in the miraculous, and I believe they are, I can show you more through the word, and we'll do that through some of the sessions. If it's about our faith and our expectation combined with the Spirit of the Lord upon us, if it's about both factors for us to really step up a level, See, people say, oh, but we do see healings. Yeah, we, we, we see a bit of healings, but we don't see anywhere near what we should be seeing. We're very much in that Mark 6, a few things, a few minor manifestations happening, but, but the, man, the, the greater things have not been really flowing. But a lot of times people think, well, yes, we're just waiting for the Spirit to do it all. No. Well, yes, the Spirit is involved in doing it, don't get me wrong. But God is wanting to raise our faith and our expectation levels and get us trained in the Word to get our thinking like the disciples were thinking, having that expectation, having that confidence. And then combine that with the Holy Spirit on our lives. But we are very much in the mentality, and this has been trained into us, and it's not really a scriptural mentality. That it's all up to this bird and I don't play a part. No. There's thinking changes in our expectation that have got to happen. You see what I'm saying? By the time in Acts, the, the miraculous begins to manifest through them. They've had three and a half years of training in how to believe God and expect big. And then the anointing comes upon them, combine those two factors, and things just begin to happen and flow through these people. Somewhere along the line, the enemy brought back in this, this, this idea into the church. Now, it's nothing, nothing to do with me. I don't play a part. I can think small, expect small, believe small. In fact, I can run around talking unbelief, talking doubt, talking fear, expecting the, the giant to kill us all, and yet somehow the spirit must just do it all in my life. And if it's not happening, it's because the spirit's not doing it. While my expectation is low, my fear levels are high, but I'm not going to change. I'm going to blame it on God while the miraculous is not happening. Is the penny dropping? What's got to happen? Let's bring some more threads together from the start of the message. God's got to... What, what did Jesus do in his own hometown? First of all, no manif low manifestations, low faith levels. So what did Jesus do? Went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Began to teach, 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 teach. Why? If it was all up to the anointing upon Jesus, why did he need to do that? 
Yeah, to build their faith levels because it wasn't just up to it. Wasn't just, was Jesus the Christ? Could the, the, the miraculous happen through Jesus? Well, we know it could. It happened many times. But when you look at what Jesus taught, you begin to realize he was training them to believe and expect some things. He wasn't just training them to say, it doesn't really matter what you guys believe or think, it's all up to me because I'm the Christ. So, we're living in a day when God is wanting to move and manifest more on this planet. We're living in a day where God is getting ready to do some things. Do you believe that? Now, I want to tell you something. We've seen some things, but you ain't seen nothing yet. You know, you realize one, one day, and I don't believe it's very far away, scriptures are going to be fulfilled about Jesus returning. And we've described this previously in previous sessions, but there's going to come, the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise. That's at least 2,000 years worth of dead Christians. Talk about a miracle here. Planet-wide, that means everywhere, being raised from the dead, how quickly? The Bible says in the twinkling of an eye. You blinked, it just happened, <laughs> miraculous, just manifested right across the planet. All the dead in Christ rise. That's a pretty good miracle. Do you realize there's going to be a day that happens? This is real. It's not just a nice Bible story to tell, to tell the kids on a Sunday morning. And, and there, there's, other, there's, other, there's other things in Scripture. Jesus coming back. But we are closer to these things than, 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 than a lot of people realize. I believe we are very close, but God is, wants to stir some things. He, wants, he is doing some things in the body of Christ right now. People say, well, where is the revival? If, you've been talking about revival for a while now. Where is the revival? Now let's go back to what I started on. How does God often start? When, when, when Moses went to Pharaoh, thank you, that's what I was talking about at the start. When Moses went to Pharaoh, before the miraculous, what, what, what happened? Say some things. Let's bring back another thread here. John the Baptist. Remember I talked about John the Baptist a little bit? He, he was the forerunner. John the Baptist came in the spirit and anointing of Elijah, didn't he? Well, Elijah had lots of miracles. How many miracles did John the Baptist have? Zero. That's interesting. What was John the Baptist's purpose? To prepare the way, but I liked what you, the way you said it. Say it again. Speak. He came with a vocal message first. Very often before God moves in some areas, he says some things. He speaks. What, what is the, when God speaks, we could call that the Word of God, couldn't we? What's the Word of God supposed to do? What is it supposed to do to us? Change us. Yes, we want to obey it, but, but it builds faith. The Word of God imparts faith. 
People say, well, you've been teaching on the miracles. When are the miracles going to happen? Well, when you start responding to what I'm teaching. Because the word, and I don't say that, you know, well, anyway, forget about it. Okay? How does God operate? He begins to speak. He begins to say some things. He begins to, his spirit begins to speak out some things that are going to happen. Now, what is he looking for? What is, what is he trying to do? In, in the old covenant, when God began to speak to the nation, what did they often do, Israel, when the prophets would rise up and begin to speak some things? Did the, did the people love what the prophets were saying all the time? Some of them repented, but a lot of the times they rejected what was being said, didn't they? They pushed it away. Was that a good thing or a bad thing? Does it matter how we respond? When God begins to speak some things and say some things and His Spirit on the inside of us is saying some things and He's speaking some things around the planet and He's saying some things and He's beginning to raise up a voice and beginning to emphasize some things. Why? What's the purpose? Is it so that we can go, oh, that's nice. Well, when it happens, we'll get excited about it. But until then, we're going to get on with our merry way. No, that's not why God says some things. When God begins to speak, when he begins to say some things, when he begins to show some things in his word, what's he looking for? A response in us to his word, to what he's saying. A response of humility, but with meekness we receive the word. A response of obedience to what he's saying. And a response of faith. Yes, Lord, I believe. I, be I choose to believe that. I choose to believe that what you're saying is time. And you now, should our response sh be shown in actions? Yes. How many of you have ever um, read Hebrews 11? Where it talks, it's what we call the faith chapter, where it talks about by faith Abraham, by faith Noah. Anyone ever heard anything out of that chapter? When you look at that chapter, does it say by faith Abraham sat in a cave passively believing God? He sat in a cave saying, yes, I believe the Lord. What, what, that chapter, what is key to that chapter? Well, if you look at it, it's the verbs. What are verbs? Doing we often say the verbs are the doing words. I know it's a generalization, but it's still a good generalization. Verbs are doing words. By faith, Abraham, when God spoke to him and said, come out. How did, how did, how did God's work in Abraham's life start? Did God show up in Abraham's life and the miracle happened in Sarah? Started with God speaking to Abraham. Genesis 12, come out and I will bless you. I'll bless, and God spoke to Abraham. And then Abraham sat in his father's house saying, when the Lord does it, I'll get out of my father's house. Is that how Abraham responded? But when the Lord gives me a baby, then I'll, then I'll go and find the land. 
When, when, when the Lord just picks me up and moves me to the land, then I'll believe it. Is that how often we respond? Sadly, pro- probably, I'd say probably, probably, very, very, very probably, yes. What did Abraham do? He began to respond to what God was saying before he saw a miracle or after he saw a miracle? Before. He didn't sit there and say, well, I'm, I don't, I, I've never heard anybody having a, a, a child. What do you mean I'm going to have descendants, God? A land? Well, when I see this land, I'll believe you, Lord. No? What did he do? Hebrews 11 tells us, by faith, Abraham obeyed. Obeyed what? What God was saying. And as he began to respond to what God was saying, God began to move in his life. So how did the work of God start in Abraham's life? With what God said. Many other times in the Bible, we could look at those kind of examples. We mentioned Jesus' disciples. I'll close here in a minute. We'll have our first break. But we mentioned Jesus' disciples. We know they were with Jesus those three, three and a half years. But how did the work of God start in their lives? Where did it start? When Jesus called them. And what happened then? They sat in their boats, the ones who were fishing anyway. And they said, well, we're just going to keep fishing until, until you show up, Lord. They responded. So everything that happened after that in their life, all of the miraculous, all of the moving of God, started with them responding to what Jesus said. What if they hadn't responded? What if they just sat in the boat and said, well, you know, yeah, well, you know, when we see the miracles, we'll believe the Christ is with us. Before they even believed he was the Christ, before they saw the miraculous through his life, they responded to what he said. And began to follow after that. The whole of Hebrews 11, this is what I was saying a moment ago, and then I'll close. By faith, Abraham obeyed. That's a doing word. So what is it about his faith that's being highlighted? Was it the fact that he sat in a cave believing passively? It was the actions that went with his faith that are being emphasized. He did something. There was a response from him to what God had said. By faith, Noah sat at home saying, when it rains, I'll believe in floods. How how many of you uh, talk about firsts? How many many worldwide floods? You know, I know some people believe it wasn't around the world. Whatever, I do whatever. I believe it was. But how many floods of that scale had they seen yet before? When God comes to to, to Abraham, we're on Noah now. When God comes to Noah and says, build a boat, it's coming a flood. What's a boat might have been one response, yeah. But, but, but even then, did, did Noah go, 
I never heard of that happening before, so no, 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 I'm a bit skeptical about that. Do you realize, like I said, many of these people first, they had no precedent. Do you see why their faith is highlighted so much in the Bible and we pointed to them because they didn't, they didn't have months and years of teaching like we've had. They didn't have a Bible to go and build their faith with. And they, half of them had never seen these kind of things before. And yet when God's word came to them, there was a response. How quickly did many of them respond? In Genesis 12, Abraham, God said, get out from among, verse 1, 2, and 3, come out from among uh, your, your, your father's house, I'm paraphrasing it, I'll bless you, you know, all the different stuff. Verse 4, Abraham went. Immediately responded to the word of the Lord. You see this over and over again with the type of people God flows through in, 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 in the Bible. Elijah, God, he, he says, there's, gonna be, there's, there's not going to be any rain until I say so. And then the very next word, verse, it says, and the, and, and the Lord said to him, go to the brook Cherith. I, pre, I, pre, I, 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 I you know, well, I'll feed you there, whatever. But what does Elijah do? He goes. How quickly does he respond to what the Spirit of the Lord says to him? Quick to respond to what God is saying. And then the brook dries up. Ravens bring him food, but then the brook dries up. The miracle didn't stop, by the way. Elijah was, the Bible says he was by the brook Cherith, and ravens brought him food. Now, ravens was the miraculous, not the water. The brook was just God knew where there was still water in the middle of a famine. So he led him to a brook. Bible doesn't say God kept the brook flowing. The ravens was the miracle. The Bible doesn't say the ravens stopped. It said the brook stopped flowing. People think, oh, God stopped the miracle. No, no it doesn't say anything about that. But then what happens when the water stops? Now, God could have kept the water flowing. Wouldn't have been hard, but God could have turned the sand into water. But what does God then do with Elijah? He says something to him. Go to Zarephath. I've spoken to a, I was going to say, a widow woman. Go to Zarephath. I've spoken to or I'm paraphrasing again. What, is, what does Elijah do? Does he, does he sit by the brook saying, oh, God, the miracle stopped. Oh, God, the water. No, no. What does he do? He responds to the word of the Lord. How quickly? Very next verse. He packs up, goes to Zarephath. And then the miraculous begins to respond. That widow woman, how did, how, did the work of, how did the miraculous happen in her life? How did it start in her life? Did Elijah show up and do a miracle? No, Elijah showed up and gave her the word of the Lord. And as she responded to what the word of God was saying, the miraculous released in her life. Do you see the pattern? So how does it often start with what the word of God is saying and what God is speaking and our response to it in a response of faith? I'll close off now. I, can, I don't want to go through the whole of Hebrews 11. We'll be here another hour. We're going to be here another hour anyway, but we're going to have a break first. I preached for two hours um, a couple of weeks ago. Never preached for two hours in my life. For two hours solid, I preached. Jeez, yeah, I 